With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey folks, welcome into Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am your increasingly peppy uh, host, Brett Taylor. What uh, I'm like three weeks out now from initial uh, COVIDness, so I'm I'm feeling good. Got my video turned back on so that uh, Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma here can see me for the conversation. Uh, I think I look look okay. I don't look as ill as I I did previously. Looking good, Brett. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you. Um, and uh, we are here to talk uh, all things Cubs. And uh, we want to get into, among other things, the shocking reveal this week, the Cubs opening day starter, not Alec Mills. I mean, he threw a no-hitter last year. It's just a wildly inappropriate choice uh, in my view, but it's going to be Kyle Hendricks for the second opening day in a row. So if you've got miscellaneous love to dole out for uh, a, a pitcher who is underappreciated at a national scale, I think, but but appropriately extremely appreciated among those of us who follow the Cubs closely, Kyle Hendricks, who, by the way, uh, complete game shutout last year on opening day. So he's got a tall task to live up to for himself this year. Yeah, I actually talked to Kyle about uh, not getting national love a little bit because I <laughs> it's funny. I was looking at like, you know, the projections, the Zips projections, and, and he was like ranked 50th in war. And, and expected to have a 4-11 ERA, right? And and I know projections and all that stuff are, you know, we, we can do whatever we want with them. They're not the be-all, end-all. But I just find it interesting that that would be his worst full season. Like, and that's what he's projecting. Like, he consistently puts up really good ERA. He delivers a solid war. He doesn't walk anyone. I know it's not strikeouts, but you look at the walks and they're always low. And still, even it doesn't matter if it's a human being or an algorithm, Kyle Hendricks can't get the respect that he deserves. And I just find that amazing. He just, he was like, yeah, he's like, it, it honestly would be weird if I did get uh, the publicity and if I did get the love because I'm just used to it at this point and I just go out and, and do what I need to do. And I kind of asked him, uh, you know, like, how do you kind of judge yourself at the end of the year? And he, you know, he talked about like how he, looks at himself like prepares himself for the season how he judges himself throughout the season a lot of it is mechanics and and making sure that the numbers when he's in the pitch lab and and what brad mills and tommy hadaby and and chad noble and and mike borzello what they see in his bullpens and then what the numbers say that's how he judges himself but he's like then to the day i guess it's just like did i give up a lot of runs and did i help my team win games you know very simple right nobody no advanced stats needed and and he just he's all about the bottom line and the truth is that's that is that's what he does he goes out there he suppresses runs and he wins games so uh, what's there to complain about i i love watching kyle hendricks he's one of those guys that you know we fall in love with velocity he doesn't have it it doesn't matter he knows how to pitch and and i think we are getting more 
I would like to think that even the data side is going to start appreciating more with more uh, data and information coming out nowadays uh, with with stuff like Seam Shifted Wake. And, and, you know, he's the king of that. So so maybe uh, maybe he will start getting a little bit more love in that in that uh, department. Yeah, I think for all of his uh, <clears throat> Ivy League pedigree, sometimes we miss the point of how simple he keeps everything uh, from his kind of personal life. I had asked him in spring training, like, you know, what happened to your Twitter account? And he couldn't really remember why he started in the first place or when he deactivated it. <laughs> he just knew that my life is a lot better without social media. So he just kind of moved on. I asked him about, I mean, Brett will remember this, that stray Blue Jays trade rumor. And he's like, yeah, some friends texted me about it, but I heard from upstairs there was nothing to it. He's like, but honestly, it's kind of like a positive, right? Like someone someone wants you. And as much as I love Chicago, I love playing baseball even more. Just like someone who uh, only focuses on the pitch that he has to execute right in that moment. He doesn't worry about the previous at-bat or the guy in the on-deck circle. And it takes um, – you know, a lot of discipline to be able to do that, but he does it all the time. And, you know, credit to him for uh, never changing, like, who he is uh, as a person since winning the World Series, but always looking to get better and kind of evolve uh, as a pitcher. And I think that's probably why, you know, they they traded you Darvish. Then you wonder if they do the same with Hendricks. I, I just think his, you know, approachable nature, his willingness to talk – Pitching and just kind of uh, the quiet way in which he maximizes all of his talents are, are intangibles that the Cubs are going to want to keep around here and try to bridge to kind of like their next like legitimate contending team. You know, I didn't want to uh, disagree with either of you or cut off Sahadev, but I heard that when Hendricks heard about his projections for this year. He was flipping tables and destroying Gatorade coolers. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be talking out of school. I know that's just like, that's the rumor about Hendricks is that he's just like this outrageously hostile and angry guy behind the scenes. But that's just, that's what I've heard. Uh, no, it is oh, funny. Yeah. You can, you sure. can, you can sort of picture him seeing these projections and just, you know, kind of shrugging his shoulders like, okay, whatever. Okay. Um, so, uh, okay. So Hendricks, you know, opening day starter round two, I don't, you know, nobody was actually surprised by that. And, um, I think it'll, uh, be interesting in conjunction with a lot of that stuff that you guys are talking about this, uh, ongoing consideration about the innings jump that we expect a lot of guys to have this year. And, um, you know, Kyle Hendricks has said that he is looking at this year like a normal year and doesn't necessarily anticipate being held back significantly in an artificial way on innings. And uh, it starts right there on opening day. And I, I the, the reason it pops into my head is when last season was kicking off and there was this, this disjointed spring training shut down, summer camp start up, and we're going to have to be careful with pitchers and whatever. And he goes out there and he's dominating on opening day. And nobody like it's easy to forget this nobody expected any pitcher to go nine innings on opening day last year like that was just not even remotely in the cards and he he did it like it was nothing he cruised and so i think about that when he gets named opening day starter this year that you know the the big talking point this year is well you know there's gonna be inning limits on guys and i don't know what if that's just I don't know, he just goes 180 200 innings and it's like meh no biggie 
Um, so uh, moving on, uh, we'll stick in the rotation though. This is going to be a, a pitching heavy podcast today. Um, but wanted to shine the spotlight on uh, your fantastic piece on Trevor Williams, Sahadev. Uh, and, you know, although it was, although it is specifically focused on him and his history with the Pirates, uh, his, the, the arc of his career from how things went sideways for him the last couple of years, how the Cubs and he intend to get things back on track, I found it to be almost more compelling in terms of like that being a character study and how things can go so off for a pitcher because of the chain of how this relates to this relates to this relates to this, uh, in ways that frankly I hadn't thought about, uh, until I read that piece. And so uh, I'll let you set up and say anything about it that you want, but I will also, you know, re-encourage folks, go check that out. It's, a, it's at the athletic side road. Just it's, it's a quintessential Sahadev piece on, um, you know, really drilling down into a, a pitcher's um, everything that goes into a pitcher's performance. And it's fascinating in particular, too, because it's on a guy that's new to the Cubs that Cubs fans have had some familiarity with because he's been with the Pirates. But now is a guy that you've got to root for turning things around with the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, just to get a little meta on it, I think it, it shows just how important it is to be able to like sit down and talk one on one with someone because I, I can't do that with uh, I couldn't have written that piece over Zoom. Like I've gotten tidbits of what he had said, which gave me ideas of what I wanted to ask him because he's touched on these things briefly and surface level over Zoom. But there's no way I could follow up. There's no way he could have shown me the pictures on his phone like he did. And he said, here's a video. Hey, look at this. You're like, you can really see it. And he's really into that. That's the other thing. He's a willing participant. It's not like he was like, eh, I don't want to get into it or anything like that. He, I told him, I was like, listen, if it, get, if it gets over my head, I'll let you know, man. If I'm confused, I'll, I'll stop you and, and, and have you explain it in a different way. Whoa, but. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pitch grips. Hold on. Can you? Seems. Just I'm. I need you to roll back on that. <laughs> and he he was he's really good at explaining it. He showed all the images and videos to me, so it made it very obvious to me. And I mean, it was I, I thought it was pretty obvious, uh, even the pictures that I had available to myself that I could share with the audience. Uh, and it, it's I, yeah, I agree. It is fascinating. And he said this uh, a while ago that you know you you figure something out that's wrong, right? We we can all look at the data and say your uh, release point has changed. Uh, but the like, what what's actually causing that is not just like, well, my arm's moving up. It, it's something else along in the delivery that's led to your arm moving up, and and it's also, well, why did that thing change in my delivery that led to my arm moving up? And in Williams's case, it was his left arm was kind of pulling away from his body in a in an abnormal way. Uh, at some point in in nineteen, it happened after he got injured, so it was an injury. That he was he had healed from, but he was subconsciously changing his delivery to protect himself, uh, just because he didn't want to re-injure himself, even though he was healthy. It's it's a, a you know complicated thing in the sense that it's not just your body that's doing this; it's your mind that's doing it, and you don't even know. Uh, and you know, I I think it's it's fascinating in the sense that the P Cubs pitching infrastructure is so in depth on this stuff and so willing to dig in. That they're doing it on free agents, which is, uh, you know, probably most teams are doing this, I'd like to think, but they, they were on top of it. They pitch it to the pitcher. The pitchers know that they have success in the past of getting guys right. I, I think that that's an attractive thing for uh, for pitchers to know about, especially 
when this like we were talking about with Hendricks, this game is so in love with velocity. They're, it's so in love in, with certain trends, and that also is part of what got what got Williams off because he he admitted he's like, yeah, I, I fell in like I saw the trends. I saw that you know my my two seamer was getting hit hard, and two seamers get hit hard in today's game. Why? Because everyone's focused on launch angle and pitches down low get hammered. So. So he went away from his two-seamer, which sets up all his other pitches and just makes all his other pitches more effective. Uh, and he was going high with his four-seamer. All that stuff, you know, it just – everything got out of whack. And and I I really appreciate how he, he almost reset himself this offseason and really got down to, uh, you know, what, what made me great in the past – what? How do I get back to that? And I, I think uh, honestly, we'll, we'll we'll have to keep monitoring this. But uh, it sounds like the new slider that he's working on is is just kind of put to the side as far as game action. But he he's definitely not done working on it. So maybe by June or July, if if he's doing well, we maybe if we start to see more swing and miss, we should we should pay attention. Is he breaking that uh, new slider out? Because I think that could be a development over the course of the season as well. Just to clarify that for folks who weren't aware, Trevor Williams has always thrown a slider, but it's more of a depth slider with sort of downward movement, ground ball contact type, and he's been working on one with more lateral movement, um, which I found that fascinating too in your piece, of just the the level of detail that he went into in describing what it's like to develop a pitch. And when you're throwing it, it's like, I'll throw it 10 times and you know five times it'll move the way I want, but only two times it'll be located where I want. And it's like, you know, you have to have, and then you start thinking about when we use the word conviction with pitchers and you, you have to have conviction to actually successfully throw the pitch, which means you have to know that it's going to do what you want it to do or else you'll actually unconsciously make the pitch, not do what you want it to do because you're not throwing it with conviction. Um, sorry. I know I broke the rotation there. Moving, which, although meta we're supposed to break that a little bit like we're supposed to sort of jump on each other a little bit i mean a little little more organic discussion kind of deal so you know what i take I back love, no, i, I love the anymore. uh dale swaim reference there of throwing with conviction that was a great daleism god it's so weird that you say that because like i've used that expression before and uh but i did originally get it from him and when i said it right then he popped into my head i'm like oh yeah like dale swain used to say that's so <laughs> wild that you mentioned that this time the dale swain rabbit hole but he you know kind of was an integral part of setting up this pitching infrastructure i mean he's the one who hired mike borzello um and chris bazio and kind of setting the tone uh, in terms of preparation and advanced scouting and may you know uh kind of creating these easy to process pieces uh of information and when dale swaim you know is saying it in a press conference when the cubs are on the way to 100 losses and you know he's kind of saying it in his tone at that time it's almost like you know people are probably rolling their eyes but i think he really was ahead of the curve of like pitching with conviction if you're saying it in this setting now, when people are nerding out on spin rate and stuff like that, it's like, oh, okay, that totally makes sense of trying to kind of connect all of these dots here. And I think that, um, I don't know, Trevor Williams, I get kind of a Jason Hamill vibe just in listening to him talk, just the way he he has a sense of humor. He has a sense of perspective. Um, he can kind of go in- into detail. He has kind of a breezy way of communicating. And Jason Hamill had 
probably his, you know, best years of his career with the Cubs within this infrastructure. He kind of got what the Cubs were saying. He had, he brought his own ideas to the table, was at that kind of right point in his career and was, you know, a, a reliable starting pitcher for like, you know, two of the best teams, you know, in, in franchise history. And I think it's not unreasonable to think that Trevor Williams can be more like the pitcher he was in 2018 than kind of the spiral he went into the last two years. He's also got the Hamill beard and hair going. When uh, Hamill didn't always have the long hair, but I don't know if you remember, he did have a time when he had like long hair rocking. Is that? Did you ask him what his uh, favorite potato chips were, or what his kind of like policy <laughs> was on that? Oh, missed opportunity! Shoot, I, I did Next, not get that in. <laughs> that could be like a mid-season piece, asking yeah. the pitchers, you know, their favorite chips, and can can bring it back. I like it. Uh, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, sticking with pitching, uh, but moving to a more general point here. And I think, although I think it's fascinating to think about it in terms of Cubs versus other teams, uh, we got word Joel Sherman originally reporting, others confirming, and then the memo itself sort of trickling out. But uh, Major League Baseball is going to this year attempt to enforce its uh, ban on artificial substances for grip, uh, doctoring baseballs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, going to try and force that stuff a little bit more aggressively this year, including using StatCast data and probably some of their increasingly improved camera technology. And also, I believe, I think I saw Jeff Passan saying uh, there's also going to be essentially hall monitors looking at baseballs and uh, investigating them after the fact and, and, and basically maybe even not, I don't mean this in a bad way, but like targeting certain pitchers, perhaps that the data has suggested something and you might be getting investigated and you don't realize you're getting investigated. And so um, curious your guys' thoughts. There was a fantastic piece earlier in the offseason from Eno uh, at The Athletic about the prevalence of substances on baseballs used by pitchers. And I mean, I think some of the quotes in there were everybody's using it. It, it blows my mind, the parallels right now between on this issue and the steroid era in terms of one the the feeling like everybody's doing it two the very lax enforcement of rules and then three the way that the use of an illegal substance has altered statistics in a way that was sort of like supposed to be enjoyable but is actually kind of deleting some of the enjoyableness um and so i appreciate it on that side that MLB is going to try to enforce the rules a little bit more debatable how effective it'll be um, debatable whether it was just better to say, okay, we're going to allow this new substance that we've created for everybody across the board. This is enough tack for you to grab. Because obviously the issue is that 
not that pitchers are just trying to get a better grip. It's that you can use these substances to artificially inflate your spin rate, which can give you a variety of different movements to your pitches and shapes to your pitches that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise and generally make you harder to hit. And so um, we'll see the impact. Curious your guys' reactions to that news, whether it's about what the enforcement will look like, whether what impact it'll actually have, et cetera, et cetera. My initial reaction is I, I'd have preferred if they'd legalize certain substances and uh, kind of, you know, regulated that in some fashion. Uh, the other issue I have, I guess I'm glad that uh, Passon's report had had the stuff about, you know, they're actually going to look at baseballs and do other things than just looking at the data. Because the initial report that I saw was mainly looking at data. And that was like, well, if you've already been using it for two years or whatever, then the data is not going to change. I mean, what are you looking at? Uh, you know, so basically it's anyone that's trying to get better now gets caught. And the people that have been doing it for years, you just stay the same and, and whatever. And, and nobody gets caught on that. Uh, that seemed silly to me, uh, you know, but yeah, I, 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 it's hard. It's not something for me. Like I, I, I separated from steroids, even though I'm not a huge, like, oh, steroids are terrible person. I'm not that bad i also you know get wise (laughs) yeah hey everyone headline headline for the pod sahadev sharma i like steroids uh but i i separate it in the sense that you know it's not in theory like wires uh you know steroids bad they're bad for your body right and they could hurt you in the long run this doesn't no but but nobody cared about that like let's be (laughs) i like I do think that, so don't get me wrong. Don't make that my headline for the pod. Brett doesn't care about people's bodies. But it's more that, like, when it was happening, nobody was actually mad for that reason. They were mad that it was tainting the game, that it was making it, you know, we couldn't tell who was actually doing what. And, of course, the proof is in the pudding that certain guys have been kept out of Cooperstown specifically because of these suspicions. It's not because there's like, oh, he was setting such a bad example for the kids. They say that. They don't give a shit about that. They don't that. mean that. Yeah. No, that's true. Uh, you're, you're right about that. I guess my issue would be that. Uh, but, I mean, what this this almost seems like it's better for the game. You know, regulate it in some fashion. Don't let it get out of control. Figure out a way to make certain things legal and other things you know, this is the line essentially. Like, figure out what the line is. I guess they are by by banning everything, but I don't. I don't really love that. Uh, I think there are certain ways to make this. Uh, you know, I think there. It's been a part of the game for such a long time that you need to find a way to uh, to adjust the rules so you know you're not going too far in either direction. Yeah, I think it's a, a good point, Brett, in terms of like, um, just how. Spin rate is a way that like guys get paid now and that <clears throat> the incentives to um, kind of go in that direction are, are really high. I mean, part of the reason that Kyle Hendricks was more open to an e- extension was this idea like he wasn't the free agent that, you know, smart guy front offices could look at some numbers and say like, we can do this and like ring more value out of Kyle Hendricks, the pitcher. It was, you know, he had a a plan, a, a track record, and had really kind of hit his ceiling over and, and over again. Whereas, you know, now, you know, data, I think, has become a big part 
of kind of the tension between labor and management right now. And uh, I haven't read a ton uh, off this latest report, but I imagine that uh, Theo Epstein has to be involved in this, right? I mean, he'd be the one maybe trying to balance all of these different points of view and being able to give MLB, you know, kind of a, a front office perspective, you know, how a manager might look at it um, and how, you know, players use this on a day-to-day basis. And, and I'm curious if that's uh, part of his responsibilities now in his consultant's role. Well, so he has not been explicitly named in this discussion. It was actually Michael Hill who oh, was okay. attached to the announcement. But, of course, they've been working together on a lot of these issues. And I could take that a step further by noting in response to something Sahadev said that what MLB would probably say and someone like Theo Epstein would probably say in terms of why they don't prefer the solution where it's like, okay, everything's legal or, you know, substance X, Y, and Z are legal now is because they want the added benefit of reducing strikeouts. You know, that that may not be the explicit reason that they're doing this, just like a lot of the changes they're going to try in the minor leagues are not... There are certain things that they are explicitly about, and then there are certain things that they're like, well, we hope this is also an impact. And I think in this case, it's like, well, we just want to enforce the rules because we don't want guys cheating. Um, And if it so happens that it also brings down strikeout rates, okay, cool. Um, We would like to see that as well. And and it wouldn't surprise me if... um, with the these this new crew of of consultants that's come into MLB with Theo Epstein perhaps chief among them, um, thinking about the long term issues facing baseball as an entertainment product, uh, I don't know that that nexus is pretty easy for me to see between like okay if we can make it so that pitchers can't as easily get away with artificially increasing their spin rate, they will be slightly less successful at um, you know ballooning their strikeout rates and so it's like one additional little factor in 10 that the game is going to be trying to implement over the next five ten years to uh you know improve the quality of the product by just simply getting more balls in play yeah i I gotta be honest i hadn't uh, thought about the that simple aspect i mean that's a very obvious aspect that that makes a lot of sense they're trying to they're trying to reduce strikeouts this should or they're trying to increase balls in play, I should say, which in turn would reduce strikeouts, obviously. So, uh, yeah, that that does make sense. Uh, my my one thing to that is supposedly uh, pitchers say this helps them command the ball better too, right? So are we going to see more walks? Is this just going to lead to a more erratic pitching, oh. more walks, more hit batters, whatever? So, I, I know, like, what which direction does yeah. this swing? Not to jump in on that, but... Or why do people say that? that well, you just did. Jump, I'm so. literally jumping in. Yeah, I know. It's like like people with the, all the due respect Brad. in these things. Yeah, with all due respect, and it's like no, I'm literally jumping. I am jumping in right now to jump in on that. Um, I think what MLB would say is, I believe in some of the. So obviously, they've been changing the baseball a lot. In fact, I I don't think we've talked about the big change that they conceded for this year, which is some deadening of the core, um, which I don't know. Anecdotally, haven't noticed any impact in spring training, but we'll see when there's a bigger, you know, uh, data pool to look at. But I believe one of the other changes um, is that they are really trying to figure out the tackiness of the ball to get it just right, so that the ball organically has the right amount of tack, so that pitchers can't say, 
um, oh no, I need the extra grip substance for control. Um, you know, MLB wants to be able to say, I believe these things are working in tandem. This is me just saying this. I haven't read this anywhere, but I believe that working in tandem with enforcement of the grip enhancing uh, substance stuff is we're also changing the ball to make it more tacky so that you guys can't say, ah, well, I was just trying to introduce control. It's like, no, we've already taken care of that. So you don't need to make that excuse anymore. And in fact, I'll, I'll tie it to the Cubs too, just in an interesting way when it comes to that issue. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, this was when grip substances were not I don't know. They weren't like a huge talking point. Like you remember, was it Michael Pineda who had the stuff on his neck the one time? Yeah, that makes and sense. So that was yeah. five, six, seven years ago. Do you guys remember Jake Arietta when he was peaking with the Cubs? There was a lot of talk about his sunscreen usage, the bullfrog sunscreen on his arm. And it wasn't, it wasn't hit or anything. He would go to his forearm and then he would go to the rosin and go to the ball. And like, that was a generally accepted thing that guys were doing at least the belief was at that time for control for better grip, like just sweaty guy need, you know, to better control. And even batters were okay with that because it's like, I don't want, you know, something getting away from a pitcher. And I think it's interesting now, like, were we just naive then? And I don't mean with Arietta specifically, it's just that we were close to that part of the conversation because we were covering the Cubs, but like, we're, I don't know. It seems to me that the actual, rise in grip enhancing substance usage as it relates to like spin rate and stuff is a m more recent development than that is that just because we now have the data available I, or i think that's what it is i think it's because we have the data available i i i mean and is the sun would the sunscreen aspect be be you know is that illegal now uh, i mean if you're putting sunscreen on the so. ball is that something i don't that think so and to do because then well, isn't it like you mix the, the sunscreen with the rosin with and the rosin the, and a little bit of water and some and it it's whatever but like that's nothing compared to the the reports out of the los angeles angels clubhouse with the clubby who got like who's creating super grip stuff like i've read i've read articles on that where that stuff is so grippy it can take off some of your finger <laughs> like as you're oh, throwing it's, it's yeah, so yeah so stick and you can hear it you're throwing it and it's like snap as it's coming off of your hand so yeah the bullfrog isn't quite that level apparently yeah hopefully they you know they distinguish between that and and there's a way to figure out like, that's yeah, that's, that's what the hall monitors will see by the way they'll yeah, be like ah a little bit of your finger is left on the ball of, yeah here's so we know that you ball. there's a little flesh here <laughs> <laughs> a little DNA sample. And that's how they can get the specific picture. A little DNA sample. We can be like, we know who Jeez. it was. Uh, so at a minimum, I hope we get to have these kinds of fun conversations this year, you know, as, as the season goes on. And um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to add on that point before we wrap? I'm good. No. Okay. Um, so that it'll be interesting. Nobody, I think is going to know what the actual enforcement is going to look like until they start doing it. I, I think one thing we didn't mention to wrap this up is that they'll also be monitoring from pitch to pitch. And so I suppose I could craft an argument that that's how you'll avoid the issue of like the guys who started cheating two or three years ago have created a new baseline. And so you'll never see a leap for them because they're, they're just continuing to cheat. Well, if you're studying it pitch to pitch and like a new ball comes in and it's like, Oh, interesting. He was down about 200 RPMs on that fastball. And then after the next pitch, after he had a chance to go to his hat or his glove, it was back up to normal. I think 
arguably they will be able to study things like that and but how aggressive they're going to be in terms of like um you know well we noticed this and so we're going to you know prosecute so to speak i think it'll be interesting um so anyway uh good good talk good uh, pitching heavy uh podcast and we will be back at you next week uh, let's see. Oh, we got to talk about uh, schedule. We we don't have to do this, you know, live on the podcast. But I just realized eight days is opening day, so we we will be back soon to uh, a twice weekly podcasting schedule for you folks. And the other thing, the change that's coming uh, for you folks is that we're going to have an email line, you know, where you can offer feedback or questions or things that you want us to talk about in the pod. Uh, the email address, get your pen and paper ready. It's wavelandathletic at gmail.com. So anything you want to say about the pod, other than like, you know, rating and reviewing, which you should do at your favorite podcasting service. If you want to send in a Q&A type deal, it's wavelandathletic at gmail.com. Um, and we will look forward to hearing from you on that. Otherwise, this is on to Waveland, Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Make sure you are reading... Patrick's and Sahadev's stuff at The Athletic. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And uh, tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe, all that wonderful stuff. We will talk to you again soon. Take care.